Before presenting the idol's characteristic visibility and its intrinsic meaning, one must interpret its very appearance. When the idol appears, the gaze has just stopped. The idol concretizes that stop. Before the idol, the gaze transparently transpierced the visible. To be exact, the gaze did not see the visible, since it did not cease to transpierce it, to transpierce it piercingly. In each visible spectacle, the gaze found nothing that might stop it. The gaze's fiery eyes consumed the visible so that each time the gaze saw nothing. But here the idol intervenes. What shows up? For the first and last time, the gaze no longer rushes through the spectacle stage without stopping, but forms a stage in the spectacle. It is fixed in it, and far from passing beyond, remains facing what becomes for it a spectacle to respect. The gaze lets itself be filled. Instead of outflanking the visible, of not seeing it and rendering it invisible, the gaze discovers itself as outflanked, contained, held back by the visible. The visible finally becomes visible to the gaze because, again literally, the visible dazzles the gaze. The idol, the first visible from the beginning, dazzles a gaze until then insatiable. The idol offers to, or rather imposes on, the gaze. It's first visible, whatever it may be, thing, man, woman, idea, or god. But consequently, if in the idol the gaze sees its first visible, it discovers in it more than just any spectacle, its own limit and proper place. As an obstacle to a transmitter sends back waves and indicates the transmitter's location in relation to that obstacle, the idol returns the gaze to itself, indicating to it how many beings before the idol it has transpierced. Thus, also at what level is situated that which for its aim stands as first visible above all. The idol thus acts as a mirror, not as a portrait. A mirror that reflects the gaze's image, or more exactly, the image of its aim and of the scope of that aim. The idol as a function of the gaze reflects the gaze's scope, but the idol does not at once manifest its role and status as mirror. For the idol, precisely because it fixes upon itself the light and the scope of the gaze, shines immediately with a brilliance by definition equal, at least, to what this gaze can see. Since the idol fills the gaze, it saturates it with visibility, hence dazzles it. The mirror function obscures itself precisely by the virtue of the spectacle function. The idol masks the mirror because it fills the gaze. The mirror lets its function be obfuscated by the glare of the gazable, which is finally visible. Because it offers to the gaze its first visible, the idol itself remains an invisible mirror. That the mirror remains invisible, since the visible dazzles the gaze, makes it so that the idolater never dupes, nor finds himself duped. He only remains ravished. The idol, as invisible mirror, gives the gaze its stopping point and measures out its scope. But the idol would not fix any gazable object if the gaze by itself did not first freeze. The divine, like the sun that Valeri evokes in an involuntary echo of Aristotle, can be fixed in a thousand and one idols, where its splendor is visibly reflected. Yes, gigantic sea delirium dowered, 
panther hide and clamus filled with holes by thousands of the sun's dazzling idols. But in order for an idol to appear and fixedly draw the attention of a gaze, the reflection of a stable mirror must accommodate it. Instead of the gaze floating along unstable waves of the sea, the sea perpetually renewed, it must present itself in a mirror, a gaze as mortally immobile as coagulated blood. The sun drowned in its blood which coagulates. From Baudelaire. In order that the idol may fix it, the gaze must first freeze. Thus, the invisible mirror that the first visible offers it does not only indicate to the gaze how far its most distant aim extends, but even what its aim could not have in view. When the gaze freezes, its aim settles, in the sense that when a wine settles, it attains maturity, and hence the not aimed at disappears. If the idolatrous gaze exercises no criticism of its idol, this is because it no longer has the means to do so. Its aim culminates in a position that the idol immediately occupies, and where every aim is exhausted. But that which renders a gaze idolatrous could not, at least at first, arise from an ethical choice. It reveals a sort of essential fatigue. The gaze settles only inasmuch as it rests from the weight of upholding the sight of an aim without term, rest, or end, to sleep with the sleep of the earth. With the first visible and the invisible mirror, the idol offers the gaze its earth, the first earth upon which to rest. In the idol, the gaze is buried. The idol would be disqualified thus, vis-a-vis -a, -vis a revelation, not at all because it would offer the gaze an illegitimate spectacle, but first because it suggests to the gaze where to rest itself. With the idol, the invisible mirror admits no beyond, because the gaze cannot raise the sight of its aim. The invisible mirror thus marks negatively the shortcoming of its aim, literally, the invisible. The visible begins where the aim stops. The invisible mirror is concealed in the first visible, which thus marks the invisible. The idol allows no invisible, first because it conceals its function as invisible mirror in the brilliance of its light, and then because, beyond it, even more than the invisible, the invisible opens, or rather, closes up. For an invisible would imply first that a yet obscure aim stretches toward it in order to open it. Consequently, the genuineness of the limits of the idol can be defined. In the idol, the divine actually comes into the visibility for which human gazes watch. But this advent is measured by what the scope of particular human eyes can support, by what each aim can require a visibility in order to admit itself fulfilled. In short, the advent of the divine is fixed in an idol only if the human gaze is frozen, and thus opens the sight of a temple. The idol is measured by the templum, which, in the heavens, the gaze of man each time delimits its own measure. Deusis, cuius templum est omne id cor conspicis. That God, whose temple is everything that you see. That God, whose space of manifestation is measured by what portion of it a gaze can bear. Precisely, an idol.